Oh, Sao Paulo, you never disappoint. Let's get started. And they are going to win! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! Three cars going wheel to wheel as Perez is caught by Charles Leclerc and his three cars gone off! It's a DNF for MAX! The world championship record is equals. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time champion of the world! And of course... One of the uh, takeaways from the weekend, it's been on all of our minds, hasn't it, really? Um, playing with it. Yeah. What is Giovinazzi going to do with himself now that he has no longer got a seat with Alfa Romeo? I just found it so hilarious how Alfa Romeo decided this is the Monday or Tuesday to break the news that finally Giovinazzi will not be without a seat. One Joe coming in with that £30 million pounds or euros. Um, of all the times, of course, we're going to be speaking about that in a lot more detail in another episode, but we think realistically there probably won't be enough time to f- give it the sort of full dissection it deserves. So that can wait for later, and we can start talking now about the wondrous Brazilian Grand Prix of 2021. Yet another race where we've waited a year with there not being one owing to COVID and it's come back with an absolute bang. And I felt the biggest takeaway from this race uh, is that whether you're a Lewis Hamilton fan, whether you're a Max Verstappen fan, a fan of somebody else or no fan of anyone at all, that was an absolutely remarkable weekend from Lewis Hamilton. Everything was thrown at him and still got the win. It, re- it really was. I I just cannot believe the speed. And that's a combination before you start going, oh, how dare you say it's the car. I don't just mean the speed of the Mercedes. I mean also of Lewis Hamilton guiding it around the track because he was unstoppable. Just, yep. I, I think it was uh, Angus on our chat who said that Perez looked like the biggest piece of prey he has ever seen. And he was absolutely (laughs) correct. I mean, just taking a look at the sprint race, he was flying past people who had DRS open. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely insane, the amount of speed that he got. He he found a way to sort of take a new line um, before the the start-finish straight and catapult himself into the slipstream and take advantage of every single ounce of power that that new engine was giving him but it's overshadowed i think rather disappointingly by the whole weekend of politics the spicy Mm. weekend on the nando's spice scale we're up to the like super red super spicy (laughs) sort of level you could see christian horner and toto wolf giving each other angry eyes from across the pits (laughs) i could feel the tension between mechanics um and it became quite stressful i think for (laughs) us watching on the sidelines Uh, but the, the my favorite like a uh, relaxed bit of it was there's a a video of McLaren and Mercedes I think it's Mercedes um their their engineers are having a little race where they're running down the pit straights carrying and rolling these big boxes and they decide to see you know um who can do it the fastest and they have a little race which was probably <laughs> the least controversial race of the entire weekend <laughs> but if yeah. there was a time for a sprint race to show off what it could do and and it's a curb appeal if you'd like then now was the time and Mm -hmm. to some extent it absolutely saved lewis hamilton i don't think personally he would have been able to achieve what he did if he didn't have let's say two cracks at getting to the front 
is mm -hmm. his drive during the sprint race to get to fifth was absolutely insane making up those 15 places i thought he was going to get to sixth or seventh mm. fifth no no chance and of course then yeah. taking that five place grid penalty for his new engine that took him back down again at the on the weekend to, to fit uh to 10th place but tom let's start at the beginning shall we with let's. the uber penalty which all mm. started when lewis hamilton's drs was found to open more than 85 millimeters Yes, yes. So that was a breach of the technical regulations and the FIA investigated this. They put Hamilton right to the back of the grid and fined Max Verstappen 50 grand in terms of euros because he'd touched uh, Lewis Hamilton's rear wing. And everyone knows, including Inspector Seb Vettel, you do not touch the rear wing of a car. You can have a look, you can, you know look around you can get right up close to the law but that's one thing you never do and it, to me it really showed that um while Verstappen is knee deep in this fight there's still that element of naivety that impulsivity a lack of thinking really that could you know later in the line cost him be it this season or later but I thought to myself when Hamilton got that uh that huge penalty and Verstappen got away with a fine yes they're different offenses but I thought at this point, surely it's Verstappen's to lose and Hamilton's got, you know, no hope in hell of winning this race or uh, let alone, you know, scoring many points or doing his championship uh, drive uh, any good, to be fair. But um, yes, and I think what really helped Hamilton here was not only his ability, the car's ability, but 24 laps as well. I know this has been a big issue when it comes to the sprint in general. It's too long, many things. And I think that's a fair a fair argument in this case because in my eyes, 24 laps is not a sprint. Mm. That is close to being half a race, which yeah. is more of a mini marathon, shall we say, 5K if we're using this sort of running terminology. Um, but yes, Hamilton was excellent. Like for, for context, lap nine, Hamilton was up to 11th place. So for context, that's one place per lap. And one thing that really, really sort of wowed me and I don't normally get wowed too much by Lewis Hamilton because the bar set so high by him. But that pass on Lando Norris on the sort of uh, last lap or second from last lap on the um, on the start finish straight was absolutely insane. But um, yes, then there was another penalty, as you say, the other five place grid penalty, and um, had it all to do again. Yeah, and it, it wasn't Mercedes' plan to show off how fast their car was in a straight line. It just it was a weekend that culminated that, that culminated in all these penalties. And mm. do you think it was fair that Lewis Hamilton was disqualified from qualifying because of the rear wing um, DRS flap opening slightly too much? To give a little context, listeners, if you didn't pay attention to the um, the, the news briefings that was coming out, what had happened was somewhere along the lines the there was a, a manufacturing defect or some defect had appeared within the drs uh flap that meant it opened by well more slightly more than the the regulation allowed and this was picked up on and the fia mm -hmm. put there well it looks kind of like a ball on a stick but the <laughs> um it's, it's sort of like a ball on a stick um that is the diameter, the maximum diameter of of the DRS flap um, hole. So if you if you put it in, it shouldn't go through. And when the the FIA assessors, if you'd like, put some force on it, it went through, which means there was it was outside the tolerance, which means mm. it was 
well, an illegal rear wing. Toto Wolf was asked, what what should they do with it? He said, you can cut it up into pieces if you like. They don't want it back. He was very <laughs> angry about it. But Tom, what do you think? Was it fair that they completely disqualified Hamilton from, from qualifying? Or do you think because it's a team problem, they should have maybe fined the team? I mean, that's a really tough one to decide, isn't it? Because rules are rules, and we've seen the controversy when it comes to the rear wing, the flexi wing, uh, so-called, that each team have accused each other of having, essentially, Red Bull and Mercedes, that is. And I think if it is a team issue, i.e. a manufacturing issue, i.e. both wings fail the test, then both cars should be disqualified, if that's the level of punishment we're going for. Um, I don't know if Bottas's car was tested, as was Hamilton's, I presume it was. It was. So it was fine. What the, the issue mm. was, um, this this wing was just incorrect in, in some way. Now, there yeah. are actually tolerances in the, the rules for things like damage. So let's imagine you had a bit of, of debris hit your rear wing, and, it, and as a result, it, it warped it in some way, and the... And you could yep. prove that you didn't go into the race knowingly, um, knowing that you had some sort of DRS advantage. Um, mm -hmm. Then the mm -hmm. FIA would be like, oh, well, fair enough. That's not your fault. The problem in this case, and this is maybe the the whole thing about whether or not it was Verstappen who did it, um, we'll come to this, <laughs> was that Mercedes couldn't prove that it was damage or any other thing that caused the DRS hole, the flap, to, to open mm -hmm. too much. And therefore that's why they got disqualified yeah yeah uh, yeah it's, it's one of those where i've never or i should, should i say i can't remember a time where someone's been put to the back of the grid for an offense like this but i suppose it's one of those where if you're the fia they know far more than i do on the subject and if it is a, a stark violation of the rules and it can give a team you know a clear and illegal advantage then in that case i think the penalty is justified um but i was very surprised that Verstappen wasn't given some form of a place penalty when it came to the starting grid uh, because it's one of those where as you say we are I personally am unsure whether Verstappen touching that rear wing has had an effect on its um, ability to pass the test uh, and then again I mean we know that these racing drivers are on a lot of money as it is fine eh? uh, a fine is going to hit Verstappen in the pocket so to speak but what's really going to hit him and what's really going to deter him I think from doing something like this again would be to give him a uh, grid place penalty of some fashion I wouldn't put him to the back of the grid because I think that's a different offense to um what Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton are being accused of but I, I found it a bit mm, unusual shall we say that uh, Verstappen was not given the same theme or type of penalty as Hamilton was I mean, personally, um, I'm pretty confident in my opinion that it was not Verstappen who caused the rear wing to, to mm -hmm. be damaged. I, I've seen people stand on those those wings and they are fine. The amount of force that is being is going through them at, at full speed just to stick the car to the ground. Verstappen isn't that strong. He he isn't <laughs> he isn't the Hulk. Um, unfortunately, it's true. it is true. Um, and even Lewis Hamilton, in the stewards' notes, um, it was reported, was uh, dubious that it was uh, Verstappen who did the damage. Um, mm. But the FIA obviously listened to you, Tom, because they are reviewing the rules and will be assessing how uh, they punish those who touch each other's cars. You know, and and you're absolutely right. You can look, you can investigate through sight, through pictures. We know that. Um, 
that's how teams often copy other cars. It's all through the pictures and stuff like that. It's, but you can't do schematics. And just like that, no touchy-touchy. <laughs> You're not allowed to touch the, <laughs> the cars. Um, but we've seen, actually, other, other drivers um, touch cars before. We know that Vettel has, for example, um, fiddled around with things just to see how they work. So... I think there'll be an assessment there, and and I think it was I think it was fair. Now the the Lewis Hamilton one is an interesting one because we have I think my F one rational brain says well it's a binary thing it's either legal or it is illegal, and I'm actually pretty supportive of the FIA's decision. <gasps> I know. Whoa. Um, <laughs> and li- uh, listener just wait um and stay tuned yeah uh, the, the reason is very very simple because it was so easy to determine whether or not it's illegal or legal and in formula one we talk about tenths of a second thousandths of a second if you are speeding in the pit lane uh, you know just a margin over 50 miles an hour or you know six kilometers an hour or whatever it is then that's it it's a penalty if it's more than 85 millimetres, that's it. It's illegal. And teams have to be up against that wire. And if you'd like, it's a who dares wins situation. Who dares to build their tolerances right down to the uh, the millimetre? And they got it wrong. And, and that was it. It's a very easy thing to, to test. I don't think there was any need for, for too much controversy behind it. I don't think it was Verstappen who who caused the damage, and therefore it was an illegal rear wing, and that's it. If it was yeah. Verstappen, I'd be saying the same thing. If it was Leclerc, I'd be saying the same thing. It's it's very easy. Now the bit that troubles me somewhat, though, is we have had precedents before of teams getting away with things. Look at the Ferrari engine controversies of a couple of years ago, course, when yeah. they obviously were doing something dodgy, but. In this case, unfortunately, as much as, as you might be a, a Hamilton lover or a Hamilton hater or somewhere in the middle when you're ambivalent to it, um, but it was pretty binary. It was a pretty clear-cut thing, and he got a penalty. Um, and it just it's, that makes it even more remarkable that he came back from it. But part of the reason, Tom, that, that Mercedes were so fast this, this week is because they were basically running a Monza rear wing, mm. um, which has so mm-hmm. little downforce. Um, yeah. in comparison to some of the other rear wings that they might run. And that's part of the reason why they were so fast. So does this make you nervous looking ahead to the next sort of Grand Prix? Yeah, I think it was a very bold move to make from Mercedes because when you look at somewhere like Brazil, it's not an out-and-out power circuit like Monza is, for example. And I suppose now with only three races to go, they are taking a gamble in terms of putting all their eggs in a speed basket versus the um, the quickness at the corners and the downforce that that can create. And as I say, looking at Qatar, then Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi, none of these strike me as circuits that um, would supremely benefit from a, uh, a Monza-type setup. I mean, obviously Mercedes have done the homework and it's a educated uh, gamble and a guess in many aspects. But I suppose they're thinking to themselves that um, Red Bull we believe have the quicker car the better car and the only way to go and sort of match them in terms of being level with them is to go and try and 
get level with them when it comes to their sprint speed, i.e. their their straight line speed. Um, so that's that's the gamble to take, I guess. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right one. I mean, we'll obviously find out in three races time or so. But um, yeah, to make that now, I think is, mm, as I say, quite a gamble. Don't know about you. Yeah, and I mean, it certainly it certainly paid off actually for them. And taking a new engine was a was a stroke of genius really because mm. they basically want hamilton to be to be running um at a higher power than otherwise would be allowed because let's be clear these engines as they get ran in um they l lose a kilowatt percentage um overall per, per race so you might expect by the end of it that they let's say it might be 25 30 percent power reduction um, perhaps they all teams are very very guarded over what their engine performance degradation actually is so this is purely speculation um, if you happen to know let us know i'd really be interested to know what what mercedes's kilowatt uh, degradation and red bulls is um actually but to it, it appears as if they're expecting this to to last the f sort of four races this engine and so they mm -hmm. can they can expect to to push the power up um, about by 25% uh, over mm -hmm. what you might usually do from or get out from these engines. And you can no longer run the engines at variable specs throughout the weekend. So you've really got to kind of nail in um, each weekend where you want that engine to lie. So it looks like Mercedes is going for the all or nothing approach. And let's be clear, if it, it, it turns out that a five-place grid penalty is nothing if mm. you can just keep making up the places with that power advantage in fact it's exactly what ferrari did a couple of um a couple of races back they took a new engine and now they seem to be far faster than mclaren so if taking a new engine means you can just make up the five places because you're that fast do you think there should be a, a revision of the rules then to determine how they can counter that because i'm wondering whether or not mercedes slash ferrari have actually stumbled across a bit of a loophole here with the whole engine mm. thing because it proved that with a few races left if you are like mercedes like ferrari you know and i, I guess like red bull with the really powerful engines you can get one up on your teammate by by taking that one hit penalty because it's only five places for one Grand Prix, and then suddenly yeah. you've got an engine that will own, that you can push up the power output. Um, because mm. there's only mm. a few races left in the season. Yeah, it's a very good point. To be fair, I think it's one of those where, looking back at it, uh, you, someone like your uh, Red Bulls or Verstappen even may be thinking, well, maybe I should have played that slightly earlier. Uh, if I'm only going to be getting the five place uh, penalty, and as you say, be a lot quicker thanks to that or you know courtesy of that minor penalty in terms of revision of the rules i think yes i don't think five places is really enough to go and deter people from doing it as you've said about uh, mercedes and ferrari i'd actually be in favor of the three engines being a sort of hard deadline i.e you get to three then anything above that means that you then go to the back of the grid for your fourth or fifth because 
then you've got the better engine. I suppose you then have the advantage in, let's say, the next race time. But the race that you take it in, let's say, I don't know, Sergio Perez takes it in Qatar. He's a, he starts at the back of the grid uh, at Qatar, but then he can perhaps have the uh, advantage when it comes to Saudi Arabia because five places, as we've seen, when you're one of the top teams, really isn't anything. You know, it can easily be made up if you play your cards right, for example. Take it at, let's say, um, Belgium, Italy, uh, Brazil, as, as we've seen. Any sort of power circuit with little corners and many straights, then you can really rinse the rules and um, make that uh, penalty of such uh, disappear in a few laps time. So, yeah, I, I would be in favour, as I say, of if people go past that sort of hard deadline of three, then go into the back of the grid. And I think that would see a, a reduction in many people going over the limit, shall we say. Yeah. I mean, it's a harsh, harsh penalty to be sure, but mm. maybe a necessary one because as you, as you rightly say it, five places, is it enough? Oh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so at all. And it's benefited the, the, the teams. I think to be clear, it's, I think it's over now for McLaren. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think this was the make or break weekend. I had faith. I will not lose hope. But <laughs> I think that the Ferrari, Far Lazar Ferrari have just done a, a stellar job of turning their season around a little bit from the embarrassment was the first half of the season. They seem to have, well, I don't know, maybe, they, maybe they've bought a new um, strategy guide um, and, and well, something's happened and, and made things click a bit more. But mm -hmm. Mercedes were right to change Hamilton's engine and... I'm wondering whether or not Red Bull should have covered that and done the same thing and actually thought, oh, look, they're they're turning mm. up the power. Well, we can do the same thing. Christian Horner has said that they know why Mercedes is so fast, but they're not going to protest it yet. I'm getting a bit... I don't know. It's becoming a bit of a, a broken record, the whole we're, we're going to protest everything. I know it's a, a key part of yeah. the, the sport and the politics, but my God, it just seems like I, it's just winning on paper rather than winning on the track, which, of course, is ironic because Mercedes today uh, have mm -hmm. said that they're going to be protesting the collision or potential collision on lap 36 between for, uh, Verstappen and Hamilton. And this was, I think, one of the most controversial things of the whole weekend. We have moved yep. successfully, navigated, Tom, b between <laughs> penalties and the rear wing you know, drama and finally, we reach the, the apex, if you like, of the weekend that kept on giving, which was mm. Verstappen versus Hamilton. Hamilton had finally made it to second place. Perez put up a stellar performance, actually, defending. Really did. But unfortunately, we knew that it was never going to last. Two safety cars and a virtual safety car um, happened in that, in that Grand Prix. The safety cars allowed... Hamilton to close up with Verstappen enough to give him DRS and as soon as he did as soon as he got DRS once that's it he was just going to get DRS over and over again um in fact actually what was really interesting was before Hamilton had DRS they actually faced an, a perfect equilibrium of speed where mm -hmm. Hamilton was gaining about half a second in the straights but losing half a second in the in the bits between in the corners right so in sector uh, two it was where Verstappen was was um at his happiest because he had the the higher downforce and so until the safety car until Hamilton was able to get DRS I was sitting there thinking as it stands 
there's a perfect equilibrium of speed, which I kind of tells you really how how good both drivers were at the weekend, because it mm-hmm. was it was it was great driving from them both. But obviously Hamilton did get close, and they went into a corner at sort of neck and neck, Verstappen on the inside, and drifts out let's say and doesn't make contact with Hamilton but both drivers go off the road and in the the feature that I'm now calling moaning at Massey we hear this wonderful radio <laughs> clip from from Mercedes so crowding off track and gaining an unfair advantage necessary Ron having looked at it all completely it was one of those and obviously had a good look at it um, that's why we've gone for a no investigation. So yes, yes, what do you think, Tom? Is it is it right? Did Verstappen drive Hamilton off the road, or or was it just a racing incident? Two drivers going at it wheel to wheel, and then both coming off. Well, I suppose now looking at it, is it is purely academic, isn't it? Because Hamilton did overtake uh, Verstappen, as we know. But yes, looking at the incident in isolation, we've seen the onboard footage uh, came out today, the day of recording, Tuesday. And you clearly see, in my view, that Verstappen does turn in to the corner, not into Hamilton or towards him. And therefore, in my mind, it would have been incredibly harsh to give a penalty because there was no collision between the two of them. Neither of their cars were sort of scuppered or damaged by them running wide. We've seen this type of aggressive racing before between the two. At literally every race, they've come together or been in touching distance between the two. Um, and yes, there's the argument that um, if Hamilton hadn't have done that, that or Verstappen hadn't have done this, then that could have resulted in a Silverstone 2 type accident. But I don't really buy the argument uh, at all because the corner itself was slower. They were going at uh, less speed than they were at that Silverstone corner where Verstappen hurtled into the, uh, the barriers. And I, I think it's one of those where because of the history between those two this season alone, you know, the the DNFs that's been caused between them two and even the the bodywork that's come off uh, each car when they've come together at different times as well. It leads to almost a sort of culture of someone must be to blame, either Verstappen or Hamilton must be to blame because in the past there's been incidents between the two and it's resulted in DNFs or serious implications. But looking at this one in isolation, take away the last uh, races we've seen of the entire season for that matter. And what you see here is basically both drivers going for it both drivers being too late on the brakes, and then both teams, in terms of the personnel in the garage, then leaping to the defence of both dri- of their own drivers and saying, no, he's to blame and our guy's fine. Um, so I, I think they, they got it right there, the FIA. I was hesitant when I saw no investigation. I thought it'd be one of those classic noted or we'll do it after the race and then there'll be um, no penalty given. But the fact they came out and said no straight away, I thought was very bold. But I, you know, I fully support that when it warrants it because I think in this case it fully did. You know, there could there could have been a crash, but then there could have been a crash when it comes to most overtake attempts and um, defense attempts and all that sort of stuff. So I think the FA once again got it bang on the money there. But once again, as I alluded to earlier, we see and as you've just heard, a real sort of vitriol that comes out from both garages and. It's really, well, it, it was grating, and now it's just incredibly annoying. And I fear that when we get to the next season, this type of vitriol and this type of 
anger towards the referee of the sport, or the referees, plural, is going to continue. And I, I don't want to see that because not only is it not sportsmanlike, but we are we are all better than this, aren't we? Like you, you do expect it in some aspects of different sports, um, where they can physically go up to the referees uh, of that said sport. But in this one, when you've got the ability just to have a cool head and you know take two before ringing the phone up to Michael Massey, <laughs> yeah. I'd prefer it if teams do that more than immediately leaping up and going right. Let's get in his ear, you know, because I, I think it's very cheap and it's quite nasty, honestly. Well, yeah, and it is interesting how we are now hearing more and more about these these radio calls that go on behind the scenes, if you'd like. And I'm loving it. I really wish we had had more of this as as the years have passed and the the great controversies um, of Formula One um, popped up. I, I would have I'd have loved to have heard you know, the behind the scenes radios of, for example, when. But um, Lewis Hamilton crashed into Rosberg and and stuff like that. I'd have loved to have heard it mm. all, but of course we can't. We are, we're only getting <laughs> this stuff now. And well, Mercedes are going to be challenging the rule, Tom. Um, today yes. they've said that they're going to be requesting right to review under Article fourteen point one point one of the International um, Sporting Code, and um, because of the lap forty eight. Um, uh, sort of non-collision if you like but almost collision and i i reviewed the footage and to be honest it looks like two drivers massively overcooking it and i think part of the reason why there's no action needed is because no driver stayed on the track yeah if that's we, true if we uh, let's say we created a new hypothet- hypothetical situation where hamilton breaks first makes the corner yep. And Verstappen overcooks it and goes off the track and regains to to go stay ahead. Then you might well say, "Hold on a minute, he's gone out of tra- out of bounds." But that didn't happen. Just like if Verstappen had braked first and stayed on the track, and Verst- and Hamilton had had overcooked it and gone round him, and then well, we'd be sitting here saying, "Well, hold on a minute, Hamilton clearly overcooked it there. He should have jumped on the brakes earlier." He's got to give that place back, and there is precedence for that in the in the Grand Prix of 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 well, <laughs> seems like ages ago now, but of course it's not in the previous Grand Prix. Um, and so the problem is, is neither of them stayed on the track. In the onboard footage, you can see Verstappen trying to make the corner. He can turn the steering wheel more than than he is. However, if you start doing mm-hmm. that, you'll you'll increase chances of things like locking up. And if you lock up, yep. then you're going to just slide into your teammate and, or, or sorry, slide into another car and sort of punt them off the track. Similar yes. thing happened actually in Silverstone, if you'd like. Um, mm-hmm. So because of the, the problems of trying to get the cars around the corner and Hamilton and Verstappen have, have had this, you know, they, they both went off the track and they both joined in the same order, which actually I think is a pretty fair outcome of it. I do yes. think Verstappen could have been fairer. I agree with the black and white flag that he was weaving around. I mean, by that point, he just looked like mm-hmm. desperation. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I was surprised he didn't get the call of, he's just going to get past now, mate. You know, head down. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do a bit of damage control. But mm-hmm. clearly, Verstappen was giving everything he got. But as as someone has, has already said before me, I'm sure... Both sides will be using this footage to demonstrate how they are right, <laughs> which oh, yeah, will yeah. is a is a good demonstration of actually how it's pretty meaningless. 
they both overcooked it <clears throat> they both went off the track they both well it didn't affect their races at all and i'm glad they didn't crash into each other actually i thought there was yes. a good amount yes. of respect there i found that the radio commentary afterwards quite entertaining when <laughs> they said uh verstappen is, is no penalty he said oh yeah of course of course and um yeah, the black yeah. and white flag against verstappen uh they went uh black and white flag for weaving he said oh yeah tell them i say hi um <laughs> so <laughs> it was i mean it was a weekend to remember brazil never fails to 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 deliver i think the only thing we could have had that would have made it even more bizarre would have been rain but hey who knows mm. at that point mm. but i think it's probably best to park the controversies of Formula One, um, at least for, for this week, given that we've had so much to talk about and, and by next week we'll have a, have a new race. But Tom, before, before we, we wrap up this one, hmm. has your opinion on the championship title changed? <laughs> because going into this, and you know I've been sceptical about everyone calling it. All I saw scrolling through Reddit, for example, was, ah, Max is going to win. Max is going to win. Oh, no one's going to catch Max. Oh, it's over. Oh, no. What are we going to do? And then suddenly, Hamilton wins, and it's like, well, that's it now. Hamilton's won. Yep. It's, has, has your opinion changed? Because I still can't call it. Well, I think if you look at the uh, current championship, Hamilton is still second and there's a sizable gap, you know, a reduced one, um, but still a gap nonetheless when it comes to him and Verstappen of uh, roughly 14 points. Uh, if it were two circuits or three circuits left that we knew the quantity of, i.e. they've been in the calendar before, I would immediately say, yes, I'm able to more accurately predict whether my earlier suggestion made after, I believe it was the US or Mexico, I can't quite remember. Yeah, you called it. But, um, either or. I thought I, I, I'd say to myself, I can accurately say whether I'm going to be right or wrong. But the two next ones in terms of Grand Prix being Qatar and Saudi Arabia, two, you know, question mark tracks, two jack in the box, if you will, of which way they'll go. We don't really know where the strengths lie in terms of Mercedes or Red Bull. We can guess, we can speculate, and um, of course the teams will be doing their sort of research to find out um, whether it's going to be a good weekend or a not-so-good weekend. But I think because of the gap, and because we still know there's going to be a slightly changed Abu Dhabi to finish it off, that Verstappen will still go on to win uh, this, uh, this year's championship when it comes to the drivers. But when it comes to the constructors, that is a, well, it's a more different kettle of fish, isn't it, really? Because... You're looking at a situation now where it was seemingly level, and if you'd have asked me at the start of the uh, the actual race which way it was going to go in terms of the constructors, I would have said, oh, actually, I think that Red Bull have a chance. You know, let's not forget a very poor start from Bottas, a super start from Max and Perez, all for it in my view, and this is my sort of hot take to um to end the episode on, their hopes of a 1-2 and I suppose of a Verstappen win was actually scuppered by Yuki Tsunoda. Because <laughs> if you if you look at lap four, he ploughs into Stroll. Safety car comes out. Gaps reduced between themselves and Mercedes. That's an ouch in of itself. And then lap 31, when the virtual safety car comes out, is because debris come off Stroll. Who hits Stroll? Yuki Tsunoda. Who gets a cheap pit stop? Valtteri Bottas. Who gets ahead of Perez? Valtteri Bottas. So there we go. Um, that's my sort of, I suppose... Um, half-baked uh, half conclusion and judgment of um, how this race uh, ended up as it did. But yes, I'm still confident that um, Verstappen will will nick it, but he will he will just nick it. Well, I, I can't 
I still can't call it, I'm afraid. Um, may just be pride speaking, I'm, I don't know. But um. <laughs> Well, let's, to, to be fair, it, it, I think it's anyone's guess at this moment. Um, heaven forbid if you have money on this stuff. I know people are betting. <laughs> I can't mm, I can mm. face it. Um, but to, to give you some context for the final bit of this podcast, with 14 points difference, it, the difference between first and second is seven points. Hamilton comes first and Verstappen second in the, la- in the next two races. Then it will be level pegging, not including the yeah. fastest lap. Now, we know that both teams will probably have an opportunity to remove fastest lap. So I'm, I'm kind of taking that particular variable out of it. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's either Verstappen or Hamilton going to win this one. And I would love it to be level pegging going into the final final race. Um, that would be huge. It would be absolutely ridiculous. And, well... <laughs> Who knows? But we can only dream. Whatever happens, and I hope you all agree, listeners, wherever you are, whoever you support, this has yep. been an absolutely memorable season so far. And mm-hmm. one that I'm probably going to have to go back and rewatch once I know the outcome, because then my heart will be able to take it. 100%. And there'll be so many races and incidents and uh, nearly chances and clear misses that we'll have forgotten about come the end of this season and go back and go, oh, yeah, yeah. Do you remember what happened in um, Azerbaijan, for example? Because <laughs> yes. that seems like literally a century ago now. <laughs> Another <that> life. Was... <laughs> literally. I mean, that was just an insane race. And there's been so much that's happened in between then uh, and now, for example. You know, let's just look at belgium for example where a race didn't happen or silverstone where there was that crash or italy where there was that crash part two like (laughs) it's just been mental it has uh, when it comes to this season and i think as you say it's very easy for many of us to get caught up in our tribalisms in terms of drivers we support teams we support uh and all the rest of it but just looking at this season as a spectacle as a sporting calendar as a as an event or a series of them, it's just been magical. It's been it's been so good, and it's one of those where, if you're joining Formula One right now in terms of being a fan or when you show <laughs> as a driver, I guess, um, what a time to join! You know, don't don't take this stuff for granted because this is really as as good as it gets. I'd say this is probably one of the best seasons I've ever watched a Formula One, and I've been watching since two thousand and eight. So. Yeah, that's that's a bit of context for you there. Yeah. And so ends episode 30 of F1 in Review. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening to us ramble on about the great times we've had just had at the Brazilian Grand Prix. Once again, uh, Grand Prix we missed due to COVID last season, but like so many of them, it's back with a bang and it's set up the first ever Qatari Grand Prix to be an absolute spicy one when it comes to how we'll be racing in Doha, an unknown circuit, only 14 points between Hamilton and Verstappen and we really don't know which way this is going to go but we look forward to telling you our thoughts about what happened when it comes to the upcoming weekend starts on the 19th concludes on the 21st and we of course look forward to hearing your thoughts as well about what happened what didn't happen and all the interesting points in between until next time thank you very much for listening